What would you guess is the most common command in Scripture? It's not for us to be more loving. It may be the core to God's desire for mankind, but that's not his most frequent instruction in his word. It does not. Amen. It doesn't have anything to do with avoiding pride or gaining humility. It's not a command to guard against sexuality or purity or to walk with integrity. All those are great qualities. But to fear. Fear not, he says. The single command in Scripture that occurs more than any other. That he repeats, instructs us. Is formulated in those two words. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Be strong and courageous. You can trust me. Fear not. Did you realize there's 366 fear not verses in the Bible? One for every day of the year, including leap year? Isn't that amazing? God is so good. Amen. He's so good. Why does God command us not to fear? I mean, no one has ever uh, receives discipline for being afraid, do they? So why does God tell us to fear not? More often than he does anything else. Have you even thought about that? Because fear is the number one reason people are tempted to avoid doing what God calls them to do. And let's talk about that this morning. I want to take you back to an old commercial that I really enjoyed seeing on television years ago. It's not there anymore, but I love the old commercial where a daddy took his little girl to a public pool with the purpose of teaching her how to dive or jump off the diving board. I think it was advertising. You remember those Kodak moments, right? I love this commercial. And so there they are. The day begins with a father and daughter having high hopes of uh, a successful diving or jumping experience off the diving board. But then as she climbs the tall ladder... As she inches her way out to the end of the diving board and looks down, the fear of the unknown begins to grip her. I don't know if you remember that commercial, but it's so clear to me. And she just stands there at the, at, at the end of the board, staring down at the water. And then she turns and stares at her father. Then she turns back to the water and stares some more. Her father pleads with his daughter to just jump, just jump. And he tells her, you know what, it's going to be okay. Don't worry. But she stands there so paralyzed uh, with fear, unable to trust what her father was saying. Now, I'm going to pause in the commercial just for a moment, for another commercial break. We, too, often stand in that same place as that girl on that diving board. Don't, do we not? At the end of our line, looking into this great unknown that's before us, wanting to go forward, wanting to jump, but fear and doubt overcomes us, right? Happens often. At that moment, we must trust in the living God, the all-knowing God. The God who is worthy of our trust in every situation that comes into our life. And when we learn to trust amid this great unknown that is before us, that our trust, guess what? And our faith 
will also grow in God. So finally, back to the commercial. So finally, at the end of the day, as it draws closer, the daughter decides to take a leap of faith. And finally, she learned to trust. And when she, uh, when she came, to, uh, came up out of the water, she was filled with, with this joy and exuberance and excitement. She turns to her father. Do you remember what she said? She goes, let's do it again, Daddy. Let's do it again. The greatest commercial I've ever seen. The reason God says, fear not, so often is because fear will sink us faster than anything else. Fear disrupts faith and becomes the biggest obstacle to trusting and obeying God. Remember that. Think about this. A middle-aged man feels called to change careers, to do something big for God, but fear holds him back. We have our own fear stories as well. I mean, a woman feels trapped in a marriage that is painful and abusive, but her fears keep her, keeps her from acknowledging reality and seeking help. Then there's this longtime Christian who has a hard time really embracing and loving God. She's afraid he will do bad things to her. When life goes too well, too long, she gets nervous. Why? Because she thinks the other shoe's about to drop. A young man feels pressured by his parents to follow a course for his life that he doesn't want. But fear prevents him from speaking the truth. Boy, fear seems to be a common denominator in a lot of things. An elderly man is afraid of dying. He's never told anyone this. He's afraid of what others might think of him. Then there's, a, there's always a successful businessman or woman who risks financial security every day. Never thinks of, of himself or herself as fearful, but bold. But he has yet to risk intimacy or authentic self-disclosure since he was a young kid. He cannot risk losing control or showing weakness in his life. He's too afraid. Every one of us will face moments when we must choose between trust and fear. Some of you may have done it this morning. Trust and fear have been battling for the human heart for a long, long, long time. Eventually, one or the other will win. Think about your life. Just for a moment, think about your life. Where is Jesus calling you to walk on water? George John and his family heard the call of God on their life to travel from one country to another. What's keeping you in the boat? I would suspect it's fear. In our text, Peter is in the middle of, of something that no one in history in the world has ever done before. He's walking on water. Jesus Christ had given Peter the power over nature to walk on water. In the middle of the storm, what was Peter doing? He was making history. This has never been done before. Suddenly, it occurred to him, you know what? 
what's actually happening here? I'm defying nature. At Jesus' command, Peter stepped out of the boat in faith. Hmm. Then Peter began to sink. He took his eyes off Jesus and focused on the chaos of the storm that was around him, right? Now, before we're so judgmental on Peter, let's think about the circumstances he was in. He had to be in the boat all night, according to scriptures, right? And it says in the fourth watch. Do you know what time the fourth watch is that they're talking about in scripture? This indicates it's between 3 and 6 a.m. in the morning. They had been fighting the waters and storms for hours and still a long way from shore. Suddenly, Jesus uh, approaches the boat walking on water. And he commands Peter to come out. So Peter's going to join him. Understand the circumstances still have not changed. There is still a storm raging around Peter and this boat of disciples. And they're still a long way from the shore. So Peter began to realize what he was doing. This cannot be right. It didn't make sense to him. He had his doubts. Instead of focusing on Jesus, instead of walking by faith, what does he do? He began to concentrate on the circumstances that were around him, right? He began to see the waves. He began to realize that it was getting, he was getting further and further away from the boat. A little scary here. Then all of a sudden, fear takes over in his life. You may have heard, if you've ever been in sales a long period of time, you might have heard this before. This is a technique used by a lot of sales managers. If you've heard a sales manager technique holding up, he holds up a large piece of paper with a small orange dot in one corner. And he says to the salesman, what do you see? They all reply that they see an orange spot. And then the manager says, he says, that's your weakness as a salesman. You see the spot, and you don't see all the opportunity before you. A lot of logic in that. This is exactly what was, Peter was doing when he was out on the water. He sees the spot. He sees the storm. He sees the waves. He freezes. He's afraid. I truly believe this is a problem in the church today. So often we see the spot, we see the problem, we see the storm, we see the waves, and we see the distance that we are from shore, and we freeze up. We become afraid. Instead of focusing on Jesus Christ, we begin to look at the circumstances around us, and we lose our way. It happens often. This is why so many churches are stagnant. So many. And what's so devastating, a recent survey just came out uh, during the coronavirus. Do you realize now, today, in 2021, every day, every single day, 10 churches close their doors? 
fear. That's why there's many churches are stagnant. There's no growth. There's no evangelism. There's no witness. Because we no longer focus on Jesus. We have become too afraid to walk by faith. It frightens us. Our eyes and our hearts are somewhere else. As was Peter's when he stepped out of that boat. When was the last time that you asked God to give you permission to walk on water? When was the last time that you stepped out of the boat, so to speak? Do you realize this church has a long history of walking on water? FBC Wallingford was founded on faith. This building was built on faith. Is FBC still walking by that faith? Or have we noticed the waves, the wind, the challenges? The distance we have, we've traveled from the shore. Has it taken our eyes off Jesus? You know, I, I ask the same question about our individual lives. Am I, are you, continuing to walk on water? Or have you stopped and now you're beginning to sink? I cannot answer that question about your life, but I will stand before God this week and address the question about my life. And I would encourage you to do the same. Over and over in the Bible, it is fear that threatens to keep people from trusting and obeying God throughout the entire Bible. Take you back to the commercial, the Kodak commercial. When the little girl stood at the end of that diving board at the pool, she was often aware of the price she might pay for, for jumping off the end of the board. She knew it would be cold. She knew it would be scary. And most of all, she was afraid she was going to get hurt or sink. But she and you and I are often less aware there is a price to be paid for, watch this, refusing to jump. To live in constant fear removes the highest call of all. Author Susan Jeffers once said, pushing through the fear is less frightening than living with the underlying fear that comes from a feeling of helplessness. So what I'll do for just a few moments here is consider the cost, the high cost of living with the mindset of fear. First of all, a loss of self-esteem. Avoiding difficult situations or refusing to take that difficult step kills that inner sense of confidence that we may have in us. Where there should be this inner core of strength and resolve, you experience fear and anxiety in your life. And you begin to learn to live in that fear. And then all of a sudden you're living in avoidance. Mm, not me. Then the loss of destiny because of fear. If you live in fear, you will never experience the potential that God has placed in you. And he has pla pa placed potential in all of us. 
Think about this. We want, is this not true? We want ironclad guarantees that it will all work out exactly right with no issues. Right? Until it... Until all risk is removed, guess what? We're going to stay right where we are. And what happens then? We become stagnant. Eventually, this pattern, if it doesn't change, it will become a way of life. And then all we'll do is attempt to live life comfortably for the remaining years of our life. No risk, no challenges. Just in our little box. And you will never accomplish what God created you to do. And you will never become what God created you to be. Fear will cost you a destiny. And then there's the loss of joy because of fear. Here's a great question. Have you ever met a deeply joyful, chronically worried person Never. Never. Fear destroys joy. Living with the what-ifs in life becomes overwhelming. So what happens? You'll go through life without joy. And then there's a loss of genuine intimacy, relationship. The very first recorded instance of fear. You know where it's found in the Bible? Genesis 3, verses 9 and 10. Turn there. Write it down. We may have it on the screen. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? The man answered, What? I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid, so I hid. Began early. And guess what? We've been hiding ever since. We've been hiding ever since Genesis chapter 3. Behind smiles we don't really feel. Behind agreeable words that we really don't believe in. Mostly behind the things we truly feel and believe but refuse to say. And then you have the loss of, because of fear, you have the loss of availability to God. Fear whispers to us that God is not big enough to take care of us. Fear tells us that we're really not safe in the hands of God. Fear distorts the way we think about God. You will never know God is trustworthy. You will never know that he is trustworthy if you don't risk obeying him. Did you hear what I just said? You will never learn to trust God if you don't obey Him. When you come to the end of your life, all those what-ifs, what do they become? What might have been, right? That's what they become. What might have I been if I trusted God? What might have I become if I trusted God? Listen to me. It's too high of a price to pay, isn't it? Your hopes, your dreams, and your callings are impaired by distorted fears and worry in life. 
If God has anything to say to us right now, I want to take you to a passage that I believe that he has for us today. Psalms 103. Psalm 103, 15 and 16. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone and its place remembers it no more. Take that verse in the vast eternal scheme of things. Listen, your life and my life is as brief as you can possibly imagine. (laughs) But whatever you do in faith, every time you trust God, whenever you act in obedience and respond to his invitation, understand this, that will, that is something that you will have forever. Forever. So go ahead and get out of the boat. You have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Peter was, he reminded, he reminds me of a toddler trying to walk because he was a toddler while, while on the water. His steps, like his faith, was uncertain, right? Absolutely it was. Peter was willing to risk failure for the adventure of trusting Christ even more. Before Peter began to before he sank, he did what no other man had ever done And no man has ever done since. He walked on water. Now, I think if I had my choice, I would rather be a wet Peter than a doubting Thomas. Right? We've heard that. I'd rather get wet. Peter was never, never rebuked for stepping out of the boat. Never. Jesus took Peter's faith seriously. Peter had some things to learn. We all do. And that learning began when Jesus rescued him. All of us experience failure, and no one likes it. One of the most important questions in life is this. Why is it for some people failure is energizing? And for others, failure is paralyzing. One step of action is often worth a hundred, a hundred internal pep talks you can give yourself. Just one step of action, one step of faith. It's always been said that first step of faith is the most difficult. And after that, It's much easier to keep stepping, keep stepping out of the boat. How many of you remember the movie Chariots of Fire? The English runner Harold Abrams competed against the Scottish champion Eric Liddell. And he loses for the first time in his life. And that pain of failure was so great, he decides, you know what, I'm not going to run again. I'm done. And his girlfriend, Sybil, said, Harold, this is absolutely ridiculous. It's a race you lost. Not a relative. Nobody died. 
And Harold, he moans and he says, I've lost. And she goes, I know, I was there. I remember watching you. It was marvelous. You were marvelous. He was more marvelous. That's all. On that day, the best man won, she said. He was ahead. There's nothing you could do. He won fair and square. And then Abram says, well, that's that. I'm done. And then Sybil says, if you can't take a beating, perhaps it's, it's for the best. And then Harold, he begins to shout, I don't run to take beatings. I run to win. If I can't win, I won't run. And then, and then Sybil pauses for a moment, and she says with a very firm voice, she says, if you don't run, you can't win. Amen? If we don't get out of the boat, we can't experience our faith. To run the best race you can, to give it your all and win. Now that's glorious. It's wonderful. To run the race, to give your best and lose, that's painful. But it's not failure. It's not failure. Failure is refusing to run the race at all. Failure is staying in the boat when Jesus has commanded you to walk on water. Come. Go. Come follow me. Go make disciples. Two commands that I want you to grasp. Come and go. We have our mission. Peter's water walking was not perfection, let's say. But after it was done, Jesus taught him about failure. You know how? Listen to what Jesus told him. Jesus taught him about failure. You have little faith. Why did you doubt? That's where you failed. His, his faith wasn't a material yet. But I tell you, it was, a li- it was definitely a little bit more than the 11 that were still sitting in the boat. Right? So the next time out, Peter's faith would be even stronger, no matter what was before him. And Peter proved that, didn't he? Now, as we think about this, Peter first called out to Jesus for instructions. Jesus said, okay, come, come. Why get out of the boat? Is a leap of faith worth the risk? What if I fail? I like my boat. Do I have to? Jesus says, come. Peter learned something I think we all need to learn. Yes, Jesus is here. The presence, the Holy Spirit is here. Peter learned that day that the water is where Jesus is. Jesus is present 
but he's also out there, outside these walls. And he's wanting the church to get out of the boat. Come and go. Peter learned that that is where Jesus is. He's in the water. Sure, failure is a real possibility. And it's maybe even likely it will happen. But the payoff is worth it. Now, some may have said that Peter failed. But he was lifted up. Jesus has given him another chance. Where there is risk associated with getting out of the boat, the risk is much greater than staying in the boat. We realize that, right? Why do you think there are 10 churches a day closing? They won't get out of the boat. The risk of getting out of the boat, all it is, is just failure. But that's okay because God is a God of second chances. The risk of staying in the boat, here's what they are. If you stay in the boat, unrealized potential. Living a life of fear. Looking back and asking what could have been. Never praying the big prayers, the impossible prayers. Never making an impact. Never experiencing the thrill of success. Never experiencing the comforting hand of a loving God as he reaches down and stops you from sinking. You ever experienced that? I have. And then after pulling you out of sinking water, then you walk on water with him, just as Peter did. Listen, here's the heart of the message. You cannot grow in your faith unless you get out of the boat and experience walking on water and sinking and drowning in experience, which leads you to cry out from the depths of your soul for Christ to save you. You can't grow in your faith unless you do that. Peter needed to sink in order to grow. He needed to sink in order that he moved to the next step of faith in Christ. To strengthen his faith. Faith. Listen to me. Watch this. There were 5,000 men besides women and children who were miraculously fed. Remember? And they failed to recognize Jesus as the Messiah. Often in the Gospels we read the miracles of Jesus Christ. But how many uh, followed only to see a miracle happen? And never came to faith because of the miracle. These experiences may bring people back and back to see uh, even more and experience even more. But is it the experience of suffering? It's the experience of suffering that drives them to cry out to Christ for their salvation. Peter would never forget the experience of taking that step of faith and walking on water. He'll never forget. Getting out of the boat and walking on water. 
He will never forget the fear in his soul, in the deepest part of him, as he began to sink. Or even when he cried out in salva- for salvation, save me. He will for not, not forget the hand of Jesus who lifted him up out of the water and experience of walking back together and getting in the boat. Have you experienced that? Peter would never forget what it was like to have the arms of Christ around him as he got back in the boat. So as I close and the praise team comes forward, here's a question. Would you rather sink having experienced walking on water with Jesus or would you rather remain in the boat? There will always be a reason to stay in the boat. There will be always be those voices telling you how foolish, how stupid, how dangerous it is to step into the water. There's only one way to get out of the boat and walk on the water, and that's through the command of Jesus to come. We need to remember that. We need to remember that. This morning, there are some of us here, even those that may be viewing this morning live stream, where Christ is clearly calling you to leave the boat and come to him. You know, you know he's calling you because you've heard his voice. It, it's maybe not just this morning, but it's been weeks, months. And this moment, this morning, is the decision you have to make. You can stay in the boat where there's no guarantee of safety, or you can step out in faith. Step out into the water, into the arms of Jesus Christ. Listen to him. My question is, will you answer the call? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Today is another opportunity, not only for this church, but for each individual to step out of the boat and discover more truth, more wisdom. Discover the characteristics and the opportunities and the mission worth it. God has and has put before us. So Lord, I pray that we respond. That we be that Peter today. If we are those remaining 11 in the boat, may the 11 stand and step out, knowing Jesus is walking with you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's stand. And also go. Oh, Lord, you are good in this place. You are good in our hearts. You are good everywhere. Please use us, Lord, and...